Do you want a politically incorrect gateway to a real history education? Then go to mclanahanacademy.com. That's mclanahanacademy.com. This is The Brian McClanahan Show. Back to the Brian McClanahan Show. This is episode 132. Glad to have you back in the program. Glad to be here. Before we get started, just want to remind you if you like this podcast, please share it around on social media. You can find me on social media on Facebook at Brian McClanahan, on Twitter at Brian McClanahan, and of course, you can subscribe to my YouTube page. Just go out and look for Brian McClanahan. If you don't want to search for those things, you can go to my webpage, brianmcclanahan.com. At the top of the page, you find all of my social media buttons. Click on those, it'll take you right to my social media accounts. And while you're on my webpage, if you give me an email address, I will give you a free ebook and a free audiobook, Forgotten Founders, uh, and Forgotten Founders read by yours truly in the audiobook format. Also, want to remind you that I have my new McClanahan Academy. It makes a great Christmas gift. If you go out to McClanahanAcademy.com, you'll find all the information. Plus, I've got a couple of coupon codes for you till the end of December. If you want to get my Hamilton course for 50% off, just use the coupon code Half Hamilton. And if you want to get my secession course for five bucks off, use the 15 secession coupon code and you can get a discount on those. Also, if you want to help support the Brian McClanahan show, you can go to brianmcclanahan.com forward slash support. You can throw a few pennies my way, help keep the lights on, help keep the podcast going. Anything is appreciated. Okay, I want to talk about a theme today that I think is interesting and it's kind of changing gears here and going to a pop culture format, or at least a topic, I should say. But it's still going to be within the context of think locally, act locally. So I'm, I'm not going to stray far from that. But I am going to focus on this um, television show, which I found quite enjoyable. And, of course, it just wrapped up uh, its, its last season on Netflix. But um, there's a lot of similarities between this particular show and another show that was on about 50 years ago. So, um, And I don't know if people caught that. And I think if, you, if you're not a... A, a fan of old classic television, um, or I should say, uh, more importantly, you know, Southern literature, you're going to miss the connection between the two. But the show I'm speaking of in terms of a show that I really liked was the show Longmire, which was on uh, A&E for three seasons, and then it was on Netflix for three seasons after A&E canceled the show. Uh, they canceled the show even though it had very good ratings because they said that the demographic was an older demographic, and they were trying to appeal to younger viewers. Even though I'm not so certain A and E is ever a show that's going to, or ever a channel that's going to appeal to younger viewers. So it's kind of odd that they took the show off. I think one of the reasons they took the show off is because it was such a classic show and classic themes that I'm going to get into, and probably the producers of the show thought it was too uh, masculine or maybe uh, uh, too old-fashioned. But um, I'm going to talk about that. But the show that it actually compares to quite favorably was a show that ran from 1962 to 1971 titled The Virginian. And uh, this particular show uh, was a smashing success in the 1960s and, of course, in 1971, and there's been some talk, actually, recently. Um, I saw that um, there, there was some discussion among uh, television executives to look at some of these old classic shows and bring them back. And The Virginian was one of them, though I think you could say that 
Longmire had these similar had a similar uh, you know theme, and uh, it it did well. I mean, I, I think that this is the problem with modern TV. Some of the shows like this are missing. There's others that I could talk about, and eventually I will. But the Virginian was one of these shows that was just so so good. Um, and it's in color, you know. It's 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 a it's a 1960 show, but it's in color in 1971. So there are some shows that came out, of course, classic shows that are in black and white. People don't like that a whole lot, but the acting is good. Uh, and uh, in both shows, I think the acting was very crisp in both shows. But the lead character in each show, and in, in the Virginia, it was a man named James Drury, and in Longmire's Robert Taylor. Now uh, Robert Taylor is from Australia. And he does a very good job playing an American Westerner. Um, Robert Taylor was also in The Matrix. A lot of people don't realize that. But the 1999, the first uh, Matrix, he was one of the agents, along with Agent Smith. I can't remember what his name was in that, but he was, he was one of the agents. Um, so he's, but he was, and he was a, a soap opera star in Australia, but kind of an unknown actor here in America. Uh, and so he fit in quite nicely, very rugged individual and I'll get into that in a minute. Uh, James Drury was actually from New York, and he played this uh, this Westerner, and uh, eventually moved to Texas, I believe, and really became uh, kind of the, uh, he lived out his character through his life. He's still alive. He's in his 80s, uh, and uh, Robert Taylor's in his 50s, and when the Virginia was was running, I think uh, Drew was in, uh, was in his 20s and 30s, so uh, much younger during that particular time, and he fit the character of the Virginian. And, and uh, there's a novel that, that that comes from, and I'm going to talk about that in a minute. But uh, these are great shows, and really, uh, you know, Longmire. Um, if if you've got uh, you know a family friendly show, I wouldn't say it's 100% family friendly, um, particularly for younger viewers. You know, maybe older teenagers. Uh, you could you could show it. Does, it doesn't show uh, too many things that I would find questionable uh, for older teenagers. But uh, you know, certainly it's. It's a certainly nothing lower than you know maybe uh, you know sixteen or so, uh, but you know beyond that uh, you know you might be able to there there's some scenes in it that I, I think would would not be necessarily family friendly so you'd want to preview that first and make your own decision. Uh, the Virginian, of course, is certainly family friendly. Uh, being on network television in the sixties, uh, you're not going to find anything about that particular show that would be offensive to a family viewing environment. Uh, but um, you know, it's uh, it is uh, well. It was on later at night, so you still again preview the show for your own own uh, purposes and make sure that it's not something that would be offensive to your family. But I want to talk about some of the themes and some of the similarities between the two. Uh, first and foremost, the similarities. Both of these shows take place in Wyoming. Now, at different time periods, uh, the Virginian is a show that was. Uh, uh, takes place in the 1880s when Wyoming was still a very rugged, you know, frontier area of the United States. And Longmire is a modern crime drama. So uh, now uh, neither one was shot in Wyoming. I, I, the Virginia was shot in California, and uh, Longmire was shot in New Mexico. But uh, if you've ever been to Wyoming, they certainly, uh, the, the, particularly Longmire certainly has a feel of Wyoming. You know, the, the northern part of New Mexico, uh, there, there is a part of Wyoming that feels a lot like uh, New Mexico. So uh, you could get the idea that this was a Wyoming ranch that you were looking at when you're looking at Longmire's ranch. 
or uh, the environment around uh, Wyoming and um, maybe a little bit too dry, but you know Wyoming is a very dry area. So, uh, but the, certainly the scenic, uh, the the panoramic views in Longmire were were worth watching the show itself. Uh, excellent, uh, excellent scenery, excellent environmental scenery. So that was nice. Uh, also, one of the uh, one of the major themes of this particular show is East meets West. So, what do I mean by that? Well, first and foremost. The Virginian, the original, uh, the original novel, was written by a man named Owen Wister. And Owen Wister was actually from Pennsylvania. Uh, but he had this fascination, first and foremost, with the West as an exotic place, and also with Southern culture, which is why uh, two of his novels, not just The Virginian, but also Lady Baltimore, were essentially about Southern culture. He loved it. Uh, he loved the South. He loved what Southern culture brought to America. And those themes were uh, essentially real men and real women. And so when you look at these particular shows, and I'm going to get into that in a minute uh, with the themes, what you find is this, um, this dichotomy between the East and meaning New England and places like Pennsylvania, New York, and the South and the West and how they're different culturally. Um, and you see that in Longmire as well. So when you see East meets West in, uh, in the Virginian, in the original novel, the, the story is told by a Easterner in what is called a tenderfoot. Right? And I remember my, my, uh, my grandparents were from Colorado, and they were certainly Western people. Uh, and they, they talked a lot about this, you know, tenderfoot, what a tenderfoot was. Well, it was an Easterner that went west and didn't really know anything about the west, didn't know anything about ranching, being a cowboy, uh, you know, anything that had to do with living on the frontier, this very rugged area. So they called him a tenderfoot. And in, in a situation like this, this is what you have at the beginning of the story. You have this, this Easterner going out and he runs in to the main character known as the Virginian. And, of course, it's it's the type of man the Virginian is that really attracts this Easterner to this Westerner. But there's a reason they call him the Virginian, because his culture is very much Southern. Uh, so you have that even in Longmire, I think, and you have this rugged individual in Longmire. Uh, so, But certainly East meets, East meets West there. And then in Longmire, uh, oh, also the, the East meets West in Virginia. The, the character of the Virginian falls in love with a Yankee school teacher. Uh, so you have this, this cultural you know, assimilation there going on as well. This, or in many ways, you know, the differences between the two are really highlighted by the fact that this school teacher comes in, uh, I think, from Vermont uh, in, the, in the Virginian. And uh, she becomes you know, the, the love interest of the Virginian. And so uh, this man who was very much Southern. And so you have that very interesting uh, situation going on there. And in, and in Longmire, you have the exact same thing. In Longmire, you have this Westerner, Walt Longmire, and uh, his ultimate love interest, the one, and I don't want to spoil everything, anything, but uh, anyways, there's a lot of tension in the show between Walt Longmire and a, a deputy of his, you know, Walt Longmire is a sheriff, and a deputy of his named Vic Victoria Moretti, and she is from Pennsylvania. She's from Philadelphia. So there you have the connection between Worcester and, of course, the Longmire Show. But she's from Pennsylvania, 
and uh, you, you have that very interesting you know, similarity between these two shows and that. And so you have kind of this Easterner, and it's shown in the show several times that you have this tenderfoot, Vic Moretti, who doesn't know anything about Wyoming or you know, being a cowboy, really fitting into Western society. And, but yet here she is, and in some ways the show is kind of told through her eyes. And in fact, if the, the, the show Longmire... Uh, the story Longmire, which was a, a series of, of books, um, you get that in those in those stories as well, or short stories, I should say, not books, but short stories. Uh, you also have in the Longmire uh, series this uh, interaction between the Boston Mafia and uh, these Westerners as well. So you've got this East meets West theme uh, in Longmire. You also have it in the Virginian. Uh, so that's a very interesting uh, similarity. Plus, they both take place in Wyoming. Now, the other thing, of course, is the the aspect of crime. Uh, you know, Longmire being a sheriff, and you have this, uh, it's a crime drama, essentially. But in some ways, so was the Virginian. You know, it's it. Uh, you always had that that uh, situation, the Virginian and, and uh, you know, the character of the Virginian doing the right thing. Uh, and of course, Longmire, the same thing, doing the right thing, and 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 the right thing, what that entailed. So it was a western in that you have that theme of you know kind of sometimes the good cop bad cop situation or the good cop a uh, bad guy situation. Uh, you have that quite quite a lot, and uh, you know Longmire is much more pronounced in that, but uh, certainly you still have it in the Virginian as well. So, uh, but that. that that, that East meets West idea, you know, saturates both shows, and I think it's well worth your time just to watch it for that, because uh, if you've never been out West before, if you've never been to the Rocky Mountains, you've never been uh, anywhere, uh, you know, west of the Mississippi, it really is a whole nother country. Um, it's it's a, a fantastic place, uh, but it's it's a place that uh, really feels like you're, you really are a thousand miles away from anything that the East has to offer. And there's, I mean, this is why when people go out there, they become so resistant to the general government. And not just that, I mean, you look at the land situation out West and how much of that land is owned by the general government. But uh, so you have that as well. It's right in your face at times. You know, this is an oppressive central authority. But uh, certainly you feel like you're a thousand miles away from the, from the beltway and all the problems of D.C., it's a different world out there. It really is a different country in many ways. And this is why the West was always so fascinating uh, for people in the 18... I mean, Owen Wister is writing about Wyoming in the 1880s. And this is when you had the Hudson River School going out West. Uh, people like Thomas Moran and Albert Bierstadt, they would go out West and they would paint the West. I mean, this is when Moran in the 1870s painted his very famous Grand Canyon of the Yellowstone painting. And, uh, you know, people would see this and think, wow... That's a place here in the United States. I mean, this is a whole nother, it's a whole nother country. That was the Romantic period, and you had exotic themes and exotic places. You know, uh, Moran was also, uh, or I'm, I should say, Thomas Cole, who was the founder of the Hudson River School, was was painting things like you know Daniel Boone at his cabin, uh, and so you had this theme of rugged individualism, which I'm going to talk about now. These themes start saturating literature, but it really was an attachment to the South. Because if you think about Daniel Boone, you know Daniel Boone was kind of the quintessential American. Uh, you had people like James Fenimore Cooper writing about Daniel Boone. That was that was Natty Bumpo in the in the Leatherstocking Tales. So you had this this character Daniel Boone who was certainly certainly the quintessential American. But Daniel Boone was a Southerner. 
through and through. Now, he spent time in the West, of course, went to Missouri, spent time out there. But for the most part, you know, Daniel Boone was a product of the South. And when you look at cowboys, which is essentially what, you know, Westerns are all going to focus on cowboys. When you look at that theme of cowboys, the cowboy culture was heavily influenced by the South. Because when the war was over, you had a lot of Southerners going out West to escape Reconstruction. Uh, and so they brought this type, the, the, the culture of the South, with them to the West. Now, you also had Northerners going out there as well, but you had a large number of Southerners who ended up going West, and they certainly influenced the culture of the region and how people thought about men and that masculine culture. And this is why, again, you know, when you look at Longmire, it's a very masculine show. And by masculine, I mean in a way that uh, you don't find on modern television shows. When you look at what it means to be a man, uh, you look at you know modern television. And I talked about this you know in, in Holly Weird, the podcast on Holly Weird, uh, and you look at how men are often cast in shows. I mean, they have to be they have to have all these terrible vices, whether it's drugs or alcohol, or uh, you know they have to uh, you know have these uh, they they have to be philandering men, you know, going around with a tremendous number of women uh, and all these things, and they have to be immoral in so many ways. I mean, this is or they have to be completely stupid. Uh, and, of course, the women have to always show them how stupid they are. I mean, so what we've gotten in many ways in society is a situation where men are just portrayed to be a bunch of bumbling, vice-ridden idiots. And, I mean, you're seeing it in, in, uh, in all kinds of ways in modern culture. Uh, but what Longmire does is show that, well, you know, men, uh, real men, actually are very, very important in society. Longmire being... A nice example of that. And so while Longmire was not a perfect man, and nobody ever is perfect, Longmire certainly had a number of traits that would make you think this guy is a stand-up individual. Um, and it was that that rugged individualism of Longmire. First of all, the guy never had a cell phone. There was this theme of you know resistance to modernity. He didn't have a cell phone th- for most of the show. Uh, and, uh, in fact, the first episode gets into that in a very funny situation. Uh, but he, he didn't carry a cell phone. He drove around an old Ford Bronco. He wore a Carhartt jacket at all times. Uh, he really was, uh, a, he, he was, he was a man steeped in literature. He would read, he was the, he was the well-read sheriff, uh, who understood literary, uh, uh, you know, literary themes, and uh, understood how they how they worked in society, and so he was he was basing his life based on based on uh, or he was uh, on on old Greek literature and things of that nature. So uh, it, it's it's a it's a refreshing look at a guy who you think well here's just a uh, a a cop thug, uh, but Longmire was the Renaissance man of the West in many ways, and so that was so refreshing to watch, and the way that he interacted with people. Uh, the way he interacted with, say, women, for example, he was very gallant. Uh, Walt Longmire was always trying to do the right thing when it came to the interaction between men and women. He was he was uh, forthcoming and upright. Uh, he wasn't a person who was vulgar. Uh, he wasn't a man who was uh, he was always trying to take them on a date. Uh, now, of course, I mean it's a modern show, so there are going to be there are going to have modern themes of courtship, which is vastly different from what you would have in, say, the 1880s. 
But certainly, uh, you know, Longmire was much different from what you see in dating and relationships on most modern television shows when it's uh, as quick to the bedroom as possible. But, uh, you know, that didn't, that didn't happen with Longmire. And he was, he was a much different kind of man when it came to his interaction between men and women. The way he interacted with, with people in his everyday life as sheriff uh, unless, I mean, there are some characters, of course, in the show that he has a hostile relationship with. But for most people in his town of Absaroka County, Wyoming, most people there in that town respected Longmire because of the way he respected them and the way he respected community. And he would do the right thing, even if it meant that the person had to go to jail. Uh, there was one particular character that he tried to help for the entire show, and ultimately this character ends up going to jail. But he he tries to help them. He's he's a person that's uh, you know very um, chivalric in the way that he deals with with the public uh, when he has to interact with people when it comes to telling them bad news. Uh, there's one particular show where where Longmire cries, uh, you know. So, uh, it, but it's a way. It's 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 an interesting way that he does it, uh, and he's very respectful of people and their privacy and who they are. Uh, for for the most part, and again, I mean, you have this, you have some of the some of the characters in the show who are bad guys, but even one of these individuals who the, the show a running character where he's he's in opposition to this guy the entire show, he still does the right thing in the very last season with this character, and so I think that's you know that is an important theme of this gallantry that you find in Longmire that is so refreshing in a, in a world where uh, particularly you know men are being attacked as being a bunch of bumbling idiots, Longmire is, com- is the complete opposite of that. I mean, this is a show that shows a guy, a strong male lead character, that's important. Uh, you have some other shows that are getting into that theme, too, um, you know, where you had, for example, Hell on Wheels, or it, again, uh, you know, Cullen Bohan in that particular show was not perfect, but he certainly was a strong male lead character. The Walking Dead has strong male lead characters, uh, even though, again, those characters are highly flawed, uh, but you still have them. Uh, you know, Duck Dynasty for all of it, for all that it was. Uh, of course, it's a comedy show, but you still have very strong male leads. And so that isn't dead. And I think w- what you see in these shows, when you look at The Walking Dead, it's the highest rated show on, on television. You've got uh, Hell on Wheels, which was very well received. Duck Dynasty was very well received. Uh, so people still like that theme where the man is uh, certainly the lead character and a very strong lead character. And so you have that in Longmire as well. The other thing that's interesting about about Longmire, and of course Virginian, uh, but it's this it's this think locally, act locally theme. Uh, you know, one thing about Longmire that I liked, uh, there was of course Absaroka County was the center of the world. I mean, it was that was it. Uh, you know, this was the, he was the local sheriff, and at times you would have excuse me, you would have the interaction of the FBI. Uh, but the FBI was actually corrupt in the show. I mean, it's 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 amazing. They showed the FBI as a bunch of corrupt jerks uh, who were actually helping out the Boston mob, at least in one particular case. So, uh, you know, you, you have this very interesting attack on the federal government. Uh, so I found that to be very refreshing. Plus, you've got a situation where you have these localists, you know, like Longmire and his wife, who's who's dead in the show, but they opposed... Bringing in outside gambling, for example, they were opposed to the creation of a casino on the uh, Indian reservation in the area, 
And so uh, you have this uh, opposition to big business corruption. You've got a character who's certainly uh, the big business, you know, kind of the corporate CEO corrupt guy that Longmire is against for much of the show. But then you also have that guy's brother who is certainly in line with Walt Longmire. He's another kind of Western rugged individualist. Uh, And so you have that as well. And then you've got Longmire, one of Longmire's deputies, is the son of this guy. And so you have that that back and forth, you know, how does that work? And Longmire and this guy are not always, the deputy are not always seeing eye to eye, uh, but uh, the deputy ultimately does the right thing as well. So you have this very, you know, small town opposition to the outside world, uh, this idea of, you know, again, think locally, act locally, trying to keep the feds out of your local affairs, trying to keep, uh, you know, big business corruption outside of your small town, so you have that, and I think that's, a, again, a wonderful little departure uh, from you know, the modern, modern era when we think that you know, the feds are the only people that can solve any problem. Uh, you, know, you have that, uh, one of the shows that, that um, uh, I've watched quite a bit of recently is the show Blacklist, which is about the FBI and how you know, great the FBI is uh, and how all the wonderful things they do. But it's, it's an interesting show because in some ways that show is also very much, you know, anti-government corruption. But certainly, uh, you know, the FBI is portrayed as the good guys in that show. Uh, and so you have, and it's a great show. Um, it, it's, it's a wonderful show, but you have a, a much different perspective in Longmire. And I think it's that, you know, small town, rural, flyover, red state America show that uh, certainly should, should uh, garner your attention when you're thinking of something to watch. And now that it's, it's all on Netflix. Uh, you can you could binge watch all six seasons, and I think there's you know ten episodes in each season, so you got sixty episodes out there. So it's it's uh it's well worth your time to go out and check it out. Uh, so again, you you have this uh, you have this um, you know uh, Walt is Southern again that Southern theme that I think is so important to understand if you're if you're looking at you know the the cultural underpinnings of of the West. Uh, and you're looking at the influence of Southern literature uh, and Owen Wister, uh, and also, also the Virginian, you certainly have that, that idea of, of a real man and a real woman. <clears throat> um, you have, oh, the, the other thing, uh, which I've already mentioned, the other thing is the cultural interaction. Uh, with, with Longmire, you have, of course, the, the Indian reservation there. And so there's a lot of cultural interaction. And, and one thing, um, about that is interesting. Of course, the the tribes are the is is the group that's trying to bring the casino, and so they do show the abject poverty of, of the Indian reservation system, and I think that's an interesting part of it. it shows how bad uh, these reservations actually are in terms of poverty and drug addiction and alcohol abuse and these type of things, and uh, that that constant effort of good people on the tribe the tr- tribes uh, to try to clean those things up. And so one of the main characters, you know, he's kind of this, this gray area. He's trying to clean up and trying to provide things for the tribe, but he's also engaging in some organized crime and some other things. And so you've got that, that uh, you know, wrestling there in this character with his own conscience on what he has to do. Uh, and he's actually a very interesting character. But then you have uh, people in the tribe who are trying to clean the tribe up and do the right thing. But you also have this resistance to the outside world. And it's, it's kind of, it's contained within a context of, you know, anti- uh, what the white man does. Uh, but, and in so many ways, I think that's an interesting part of this think locally, act locally theme. Uh, because you have this resistance 
to the outside world and the tribe. There's one particular episode in the last season where this uh, little boy has got scarlet fever. And of course, uh, you know, that, that's resolved. But at, at one point, you know, the, the people who are the parents of this child don't want modern medicine to intervene because they're afraid of what the outside world is going to do to their world. Uh, and so, you know, it's, it's shown in a negative light, but you can certainly sympathize with a group of people who have been uh, put in a situation over their lives, over generations, shunned, you know, shuffled into reservations, uh, and, of course, treated like a, their culture is second class. And uh, certainly how that would grow into a think locally, act locally resistance to the outside world and wanting to do things on their own, wanting to do things without any outside uh, influence and, and how that would work. Now, of course, again, you've got this character in this very gray area who is getting involved in some organized crime to get things that he thinks that the, that the reservation and the tribe needs. Uh, but you certainly have that, that cultural interaction. You know, the, the, uh, the white Wyoming culture meets the uh, American Indian Wyoming culture. And so that's an interesting part of the show as well. It's, it's a different type of you know, old-time Western where you had uh, you know, white settlers confronted with American Indians and the, and the uh, violence there. And there, would be, there is some violence in this and the interaction between the two and some distrust and other things. Uh, so that theme is very, it's very uh, you know, stable but it's a different type of distrust and interaction. And in fact, Walt Longmire's uh, best friend is a character named Henry Standing Bear, who is a, a member of that tribe. And Henry Standing Bear is always trying to do the right thing for his tribe as well. Uh, he is a really upright, noble character. Another uh, interesting character in the show. In fact, probably my favorite character in the show because of, his, of the way he's portrayed. Again, same themes, rugged individual, always doing the right thing, gallant towards women. In fact, you could say Standing Bear had more of those traits than Walt Longmire, uh, but uh, certainly a product of uh, this Western you know, frontier life. Uh, and so I think that that uh, is, is always a main part of this show. The only thing I can say where Longmire went into a little bit off, that, off the reservation there, no pun intended, so to speak, was at the end of the series, there's uh, a point where and I don't want to spoil it for you, but where it gets very PC. Uh, and, uh, I mean, that, that was a little disappointing. But um, for the most part, the show was certainly a refreshing departure from modern television and modern television themes uh, where, uh, you know, males in particular are shown as just being kind of, you know, pointless creatures running around who need to be uh, influenced and molded by women. Um, and so Longmire is certainly not that. He is who he is. Henry Standing Bear was that. All the men in the show certainly were who they were, and they weren't going to be manipulated or, or forced into being something they weren't by some outside force, whether it's the FBI, the outside world, or by a feminine influence. Um, and so, you know, you, you, you certainly have uh, a, a, an old-type Southern uh, culture here on display in Walt Longmire, and of course, also the Virginia, which ran for much longer. And again, it's a great classic television show with similar themes. So, um, I hope you enjoyed this, you know, this little talk about uh, Longmire and, and Virginian. I did more about Longmire than the Virginian, but um, because it's you know, something you can you can uh, get on Netflix right now and and really watch. But uh, certainly, I think both shows are, are worth your time. And if you're looking for something to watch that uh, is very is, is pr very family friendly, the Virginia would be one. Longmire again, late teenager, uh, uh, more into more an adult show, but uh, certainly one that's um, that uh, you could you could feel comfortable 
uh, and not feel uh, like you're uh, you have to take a shower after watching it because it has so many uh, you know so many things in it that just are uh, you know questionable morally when you when you watch the show. Okay, well I'll see you next time on the Brian McClanahan show. <laughs>